I want to read this poem to you this morning. This poem was entitled, Don't Look Back. I want you to think about this. As you and I are traveling through life, there are always those times when decisions have to be made. When the choices are hard and the solutions are scarce and the rain just seems to soak your parade. There are some situations where all you can do is simply let go and move on. Gather your courage together and choose a direction that will carry you toward a new dawn. So my friends here at Reedsville, pack up your troubles, that you got plenty of them, we all do, and take a step forward. The process of change is tough. But I want us to think today as a church about all of the excitement that's ahead of us if we are stalwart enough. Perhaps you may find friendships that spring from new interests as you challenge your status quo and learn that there are so many different options in life and many different ways in which you can grow. I'm almost done with this poem. Perhaps you will find comfort in knowing that you have friends that are supportive of all that you do and believe that whatever decisions you make, they are the right decisions for you. So keep putting one foot in front of the other and taking life day by day. Yes, my friend, there is a brighter tomorrow, but let's don't look back. Let's don't look back. We ain't going that way. Now, the title of this message today is Don't Look Back. Turn to Luke chapter 9, and we're going to start reading with verse 57. If you would stand, if you can, if you will. Verse 57. The Bible says in Luke 9, 57, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithsoever thou goest. I want you to think about that for a minute, church. This man was very intent, Brother Jimmy. Lord, I'll follow you. I'm with you. But you know what? Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. Notice how Jesus answers him. Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes. And the birds of the air have nest, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another one also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my house. Now here's our text. Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Lord, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. Lord, you know today the needs of this congregation. We're not here to entertain, Lord. We are here today to preach, thus saith the word of God. I ask you, Holy Ghost, today to convict our hearts. I ask you, Holy Ghost, today to uh, illuminate our minds. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to use me. I ask you to forgive me of any sin in my life that, Lord, we might honor you today. And whatever is accomplished in this service today, Lord, we give you glory, we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, and amen, and amen. You know what I call this? I call these folks Billy Goat Christians. You ever heard, you ever heard the term Billy Goat Christian? Well, notice what the first man said. Lord, I'll follow you. And Jesus said, well, well foxes have hoes, birds of the air have nests, son of man had to wear his head. And so Jesus knew him better, he knew himself. So Jesus said to the second man, follow me. But notice what he said, but, 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 but. That's what I call Billy Grove. But, but Lord, I, I've, got, I, I've got somebody that died. I've got to go home and bury the dead. Jesus said, 
let the dead bury the dead. Go in other words, it's very in, 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 intent to go preach. And so another one said, well, Lord, I'll follow you. And what did he say? But I got to go at home and, and tell some folks goodbye. What did Jesus say? No man having put his hand to the plow looking back. You know what? Serving God needs to be a priority. Loving Jesus. You know what? When you love somebody, you want to be with them. You, want, you, want, you care about them. Uh, I haven't told my wife enough since she's been home. And she says sometimes I say more in public than I do in private. But I'm just that way, I guess. But you know what? I'm telling you right now, when you come home to an empty house, when all you can do is, is, is look on a telephone at your sweetheart and talk to her on the telephone and she's not there and I don't know how to cook and I don't know how to do laundry and I've been trying to learn all that stuff and I'm glad to have Mary there for a lot of reasons. But listen to me. People say they love the Lord. People say they love the Lord. But you know what? It seems like we're always looking at the world rather than looking at the world or looking at the Lord and looking at His church. So this morning, let me tell you, there's one thing you ought to look back on and never forget, and that's when you got saved. I got saved when I was 15, had a crush on a little girl in high school, went to revival with her, got saved on a Wednesday night. Man, I'm glad that the Lord came in my heart. After, when the Lord came into my heart, when I, when I confessed my sins, when, first of all, you got to be convicted. I was convicted, and I, I ran from that, and I, I laid in my bed, and I wallowed to bed, and I went back to church, and when, the, when they gave the invitation, when I gave my heart to the Lord, I was wanting to hug everybody, and the love of Christ came into my heart. You know what? I felt clean on the inside. When you're convicted of your sin, you feel dirty and you feel ashamed. That's, that is the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. But when you receive Jesus Christ and His blood cleanses you from your sin, guess what? You are taken from the, the side of being a sinner and you are placed into the family of God. Never forget when you got saved. I'm going to give you five things real quickly, five things real quickly that we don't need to be looking back on. Number one, we don't need to be looking back on sins that have already been forgiven. You know what happens sometimes? Your family member or your friends, they don't ever forget. I was up in Illinois recently when my, when my brother died, and I was staying with a good friend of mine, Kevin McCoy. He was my best man in my wedding. He's now retired from the United States Air Force. We were talking. He said, Carl, do you remember on July the 2nd, 1976, Brother Jimmy, he knew the date, he knew the month, he knew the year. I said, Kevin, I, you know, I don't, I know he said, but wasn't it funny? No, no. Let me tell you something. Even though I was a Christian at 15, at 19 I was feeling rebellious and I wasn't close to the Lord like I ought to be and I, I went out and done something really stupid. And guess what? My friend brought it up to me. The Apostle Paul was a very bold preacher, Brother Jimmy. I mean, if you had to preach to the Corinthian church, you better be bold. The Corinthian church, I would never name a church the Corinth church. You know why? It was very carnal. I mean, what, what, what do you mean, carnal? One says, I'm of Paul. The other one says, I'm of Cephas or Peter. The other one says, I'm of Christ. They were divided. And they were taking each other to the court. And Paul stood up at the Corinthian church. And here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, know ye not the unrighteous. That means the unsaved shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul didn't stop there, Brother Jimmy. He began to name sin. Paul says, be not deceived, neither fornicators. What does that mean? It means having a sexual relationship with someone you're not married to. Fornication is a sin. Paul said, don't be deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters. What's an idolater? Anytime you put anything ahead of Jesus, it, it's idolatry. 
He said, don't be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. What's an adulterer? Someone who's married, who's having a sexual relationship with someone they're not married to. He said, don't be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. What does that mean? It means boys are supposed to be boys. Girls are supposed to be girls. There are qualities that boys have. There are qualities that girls have that God has given them from birth. And when we start trying to change that, we're playing God. And the Bible, Paul said, don't be deceived. Neither adulterers, fornicators, idolaters, effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. What's that? It's homosexuality. That means same-sex marriage, same-sex relationship. It's, it's forbidden. And Paul said, nor thieves, that means taking something that's not yours, nor covetous. What's covetous? Covetous is when you want something so bad that you have a desire for it so bad you'll do anything to get it and you'll leave God on the shelf to go for it. We got a lot of people today, they're going for all the stuff of this world, leaving God on the shelf. And Paul said, neither drunkards, don't be messing with alcohol, it, it will destroy you, I could go there all day, nor revilers, troublemakers, nor extortioners. And, and, and Brother Jimmy, Paul didn't stop there. He said, and such were some of you. Oh, man, if Brother Jimmy gets up next Sunday and he says, some of you are adulterers, some of you are fornicators, some of you are homosexual, some of you are drunkards, some of you are troublemakers, don't throw him out. He's simply preaching the Bible. But Paul didn't stop there. He said, and such were some of you, but, I like this but, but you are washed. You are sanctified, set apart. You are justified. That means just as if you never done it. Woo! Just as if it never happened. Let me remind you of something, church. You and I, as Christians, will be at the judgment seat of Christ. And Brother Jimmy, if I understand this right, we're going to be judged there for our works, not for our past sins. Your past sins have been cast into the sea of God's forgetfulness, never to be held against you. I don't care what you've done back there. It's under the blood. Woo! It's under the blood. Number two. So number one, don't look back at sins for already forget. Number two, don't look back at defeats that will get you down. Brother Jimmy, I pastored for 30 years. Man, I can think of some good stuff that happened. I can remember some folks that got saved. I can remember folks we baptized. I'm glad for God's blessings. But I can also look back and remember some tough times. David said it this way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. David said, I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. If you have never been defeated, you probably ain't never done nothing for God. When you understand as a Christian that you were not saved just to sit and soak on a pew, that you are saved to serve the Lord. Speak at a nursing home, drive a church bus, play a musical instrument, write cards, be kind. Greet somebody at the door. You know what? It's the little things in life that goes a long way. If you've ever done anything for God, I promise you, there's going to be somebody who's going to, they're going to water you down with, their, with, with the parade of, 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 of tears that you ain't even going to like. David did not stay down after his sin with Bathsheba. God did not condone uh, David's sin with Bathsheba, but he forgave him. Peter, Peter says, Lord, I will never deny you. Boy, he was full of confidence. It's all right to have confidence, but don't get too, don't get too high lifted up. Peter did not think that before the day was over and he heard that old rooster crow, 
He did not think he was going to deny the Lord three times, but he did. And sometimes you and I, we can come to church and we can think, man, we're more spiritual than everybody else. Better be careful when the test of life comes against you. That's when you find out how strong you really are. So don't look back when you've been defeated because it'll get you. Number three, I'm trying to hurry. Don't look back at the past being better. Now, Brother Jimmy, you and I are getting older. And somebody asked me one day, said, Brother Carl, what do you consider old? I said, well, I read in a book one time where somebody who's 20 years older than you, you can consider elderly. So I'm 64. So if you're 84 or above, I will consider you elderly. I didn't say old, just elderly. But sometimes we older people are more guilty of this than younger people, but not always. Looking back at the past as though it was just something really, really grand. The writer of Ecclesiastes said it like this, Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely. Have you ever thought about the children of Israel? The children of Israel was in Egyptian bondage. Down there making, making mortar out of straw and all that mess. I mean, they were slaves. They were in Egyptian bondage. And God miraculously delivered them out of the hands of Pharaoh. And they're out there in the desert with Moses. Godly men. And what are they doing? They must have been free will Baptists. Would to God we'd have been better off if we was back over here in Egypt. Can I tell you something? Sometimes we look back and we glorify the past as though it was just hunky-dory. <laughs> well, I think I told you about my past before, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re- re-enlighten you about my past. I was raised in southern Illinois in Pigeon Roost Holler. Everybody had running water and everybody had TVs and all that stuff, electric. Well, we had electric. We had two plugs in our house and a, and a couple of light bulbs. We didn't have a TV. Once in a while, we'd get one, and it wouldn't last very long. The, the two, uh, well, those, uh, what do you call those things? Those tubes would go out. We didn't have running water. You say, well, what does that mean? Some of you don't know what that means. I'll tell you what it means. We had to go outside to a pump, pitcher pump. We had a can out there with some water in it called the priming water. We poured that in the top of the pump. We started pumping. Y'all remember what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, the water comes out of that thing into a bucket. We pump that bucket full. We carry that bucket in the house. And we had a dipper, and we all drank out of that. That was our water bucket. And we had a pan there on the, on the little cabinet. And we pour water out of that bucket into that pan. Uh, our mom would heat a little bit of water on the, on the little stove over here. And we would wash our hands, and we would sponge bathe during the week. And on Saturday night, Mom would go out and take that number two wash tub off the back side of the house and bring it in by the coal stove. And she'd pour the hot, she would heat that hot water on that coal stove and pour that in there. There's four of us. Man, if you use the first one in, it was scalded and hot. If you use the second one in, it wasn't too bad. If you use the third one in, it was getting cold. If you use the last one in, you didn't get much of a bath. You want to call those the good old days? I had an outhouse out on the creek at 10 below zero. Go out there at night with a Sears and Roebuck catalog cold as crowd, wherever crowd is. In the summertime, you go out there and the wasps run you out and the snakes get run you. I've had snakes come up out of that toilet. Those weren't the good old days. And air conditioning. Man, brother, brother Jimmy, I like central heat and air. I like padded pews. But we, we look back at the past and we almost just glorify it like, you know, I hear preachers say, well, you should have been at our church back in the 1960s and 1970s. Why, we had a, a two-month revival. We had 30-some people say, all that's fine and good. But guess what? We're not living back there. This is 2021. There's not an interest in the things of God like there was in those days, I guess. But I'm telling you right now, we can't be looking back at the past thinking it's bad. Number four, I've got to hurry. 
Don't look back at old conflicts that will make you bitter. The last church I pastored, they voted me out. I tell it everywhere I go. I don't care. Some preacher would never tell it. I'm just, it I just tell it. Miss Teresa, you know what they told me? I said, why are y'all going to vote on me? You preach too loud. I said, preach too loud. I preached the same way I did the day I walked in. And you keep the old people awake. I didn't know old people were supposed to be sleeping in church. Do you? <laughs> but they went ahead and voted me out. Now, Brother, brother Jimmy, at first, that didn't bother me too much because I knew I, was pre- I hadn't done anything immoral. I asked, have I done anything immoral? No. Illegal? No. But they had a habit of voting preachers out every couple years. They had, what, 80, 80 preachers in 45 years? Something like that? 45 and 80, whatever. Think about this now. So I rented me a mobile home, and I told Brother Billy Keith I'm not looking for a church. He was our state promotional man at that time. My wife did it. She had a little job, and it fell apart. And she, That was the only job she ever worked when we was all, all the 30 years we were in ministry. And I'm down in Georgia helping a friend of mine. His wife is sick and dying. And Mary would call me. She said, Billy Keith called today, and there's a church that's open, and they called. And he, I said, I'm not looking for a church. And Brother, Brother Jimmy, I have, to, I have to admit, I should have done this, but you know, the longer I went there for a while, all I did was I started, I started thinking about how that church told me how much they loved me. Oh, they come up to me and just hug my neck and shake my hand. And, Preacher, we love you. And at the same time, they throw me out on the road. Because in their bylaws, if you got voted out, you had two weeks to be out of the parsonage. And I was living in their parsonage. Now, I was working hard. We, had, we were doing stuff with our kids. We took our kids to, the, to camp and Creation Museum, and we were taking our seniors out. And we had growth. But you know what? One person decided it's time to forward the preacher. You know what I call that? I call it family-owned and operated. But you know what? I got bitter, Sister Teresa. I got bitter. And I'm going to tell you what bitters will do. It will destroy you from the inside out. Peter says it this way. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Wherefore, lay aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisy and envy and all evil speaking. Let it not be named among you. Now, I look those words up. The word malice means vicious in character, bad in quality. Have you ever known some church members that would, would be described that way? There are some. The word guile means baiting someone. Brother Jimmy, don't answer this, but have you ever had somebody ask you a question and you knew if you answered this way, they're going to use it against you. If you answer it this way, you between a rock and a hard spot. That's what guile means. Hypocrisy means pretense or play acting. It's, it's sad, but in the world that we live, there are people sitting on the pews that are not right with God. Or they're backslidden with God and they're going to, they're going to take out all their frustrations on the man of God. The word envy, now here's one that we don't think about, Brother Jimmy. The word envy is the feeling of displeasure when we witness or hear of the advantage of someone else. Not long ago, and I, and our associates, not long ago, a preacher friend of mine says, Carl, he heard me talking about being out of debt. My house is paid for. My car was paid for. We just bought a new car, so I got some debt now. But I was talking about being out of debt. The dog that we had for 17 years, he died. We had a lot of money in that dog. I said, but you know what? Me and Mary have a lot of liberty and we have more funds and we can help people and we can travel more. He said, that's what I want. That's what I want. So I gave him advice. You know what he did? Just the opposite. I looked up one day and he drove into the parking lot with a brand new, well, not brand new. It was a 2020 Silverado Chevrolet, $60,000. The first thing I thought was, I thought he wanted to get out of debt. The second thing I thought was, how could he afford that? 
And the third thing I thought was, I'm glad it's his debt and not mine. Now, here's my point. Sometimes we look at people with envy. What is that? Somebody who has a blessing, somebody who has the advantage or prosperity, and instead of really being thankful that God has blessed them, we get a little bit jealous. Or we'll go to our preacher, Brother Jimmy, the church down the road, guess what they got? They got them a youth pastor. We need one of those. You know what happens a lot of church when they get a youth pastor? All the volunteers sit down and think the paid staff is supposed to do it all. And one man can't do what 15 can do. Or, we'll, hey, the, the church down the road just built a family life center. We need a family life center. You know what I told my church where I pastor, Brother Jimmy? I don't care what the church down the road is doing. I don't care what the church up the road is doing. I've told my kids when I was raising my kids, you know what? Preacher salaries are lower than a lot of people's are. Mary didn't work. It was just my salary. My kids didn't have the luxury of having, you know, a lot of things that other kids did. But you know what we taught our kids? Take what God has given you and make the best of it. We took our kids to youth camp. They had a ball. We had vacation Bible school in the summer, and they enjoyed it. We went to the national convention with competition. I've asked my kids many times since they're grown, did you have a decent childhood? And you know what they all tell me? Both of them. Yes, Dad, we had a good childhood. It ain't about the money, going to Disney World, going on cruises. If you can do that, fine. I don't care if you go on cruises. I hope God bless you where you can. But you know what? Too many times we're all worried about what somebody else has and what we don't have. And if all we do is look at what somebody else has and we don't have, we won't ever be productive for the Lord. Number five, and I'm done. Don't look back at the past victories in your life for very long. Now think about this. The, the Apostle Paul was a very intellectual preacher. He wasn't no dummy. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. You remember when those Athenian philosophers were, 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 were bowing at the, at, the, at the altar of the unknown God? You remember how Paul sat down and talked to them? Paul could have looked back on that time and said, well, I showed them. That's not what he did. Paul could have looked back at that time when him and Silas was in the Philippian jail. And at midnight, what were they doing? They were singing praises. But Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, here's what he said. He said, my brethren, listen to this now, my brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Brother Jimmy, he said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those which, I, which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You say, Brother Carl, okay, you told me this morning, don't look back at sins already forgiven. Don't look back at defeats that'll get you down. Don't look back at the past being better. Don't look back at old conflicts. Don't look back at past victories. Where am I supposed to look? I'm glad you asked. Hebrews 12, 2 is my verse, my life verse. Here's what it says. Looking unto Jesus. The author, that means the originator. My faith originated back there when I was 15 years old when I placed it in him. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the originator, and the finisher, that means completer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, talking about Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set at the right hand of the throne of God. We used to have a mule on our farm, and that mule was one of the hard-headed animals you ever saw. And we used to put a bridle on that mule, and on that bridle there's a couple things called blinders. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Price? And what it is, when you're plowing taters, we plowed taters with that mule, you want to keep that mule from being distracted. Because if, if that mule finds something over to the left or to the right, he may go that way. You want that mule to plow straight ahead. 
And folks, that's what we're supposed to be doing with Jesus. Don't be looking back because Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I never will forget this, Brother Price, and I'm done. One day, my dad was plowing taters. Brother Jimmy, I, I heard the office racket. I, can't even, I wouldn't even try to repeat what he said. My dad wasn't a Christian at that time. But that old mule got distracted. And that old mule was dragging my dad <laughs> across that potato patch headed toward the barn. And my dad was having a fit. You know what? I wonder what God thinks sometimes when he looks down and sees us in our weakness. Knowing that he loves us. Do you love your kids? Do you love your grandkids? Oh, Brother Jimmy. Oh, Brother Jimmy, I'm telling you. It's one thing to love your kids. I love my girls. I even love my son-in-laws. Them old hairy-legged son-in-laws. They come and took my girls away from me. I'm glad they did because they're taking care of me. I don't have to. But now, Miss Teresa, you see the pictures on Facebook. I have the most beautiful grandchildren you'll ever see. They're mine. And little Natty Bug, she's turning seven. We had a birthday party for her yesterday. And when she says, Paul, Paul, my heart melts. And then Kaylee May. Kaylee May's five, going to be six. And Kaylee reminds me of my mother. And Kaylee likes to dance. Yesterday, we was at the, we was at the church fall festival. They had some music, Christian music. And she was over. I said, okay. And me and Mom, we got her on the, on the gym floor, Brother Jimmy, and we was dancing with her. But here comes little Wyatt, my little buddy. He's three years old, going to be four. He was sick yesterday. And so I told my daughter, I said, well, look, when Andy wants to come over, I'll go over to the house. I went over to the house. The first thing little Wyatt did, Paw Paw, he crawled up in my lap. He was sick. He laid his head over on me. Man, I laid my head against his. I could hear, I could hear his, I can just hear the wheels in his brain moving. He, looked, he turned kind of looked at me, Paw Paw, yeah, hey, buddy. And I put my hand on his heart, his little heart's in there thumping. Man, you know why they're grandkids? They're grand. And God looks down from heaven and he sees you as his children. And man, his heart pounds. You know what sometimes we do? We look at God as though he's some big old brute sitting on a throne and ready to snap us out. You know what? God does chastise us. I don't know whether you all believe in this or not, but I used to spank my kids. One time my little girl was about five or six years old and she done something. I, I, I grabbed her hand and I'm getting ready to haul off and give her a whop across her little tail. Da Daddy, Daddy, she said, it, it's hard to be good all the time. I said, I know. Bang. <laughs> and that's what we do. We make excuses for our sin. We try to justify our sin. But guess what? There's consequences for your actions. And this morning the reason I say that is we have a plenty of kids at Harvest. They have not done anything immoral. They have not done anything illegally. Most of our kids I know have not done anything illegally. But their moms, their dads, their stepdads, their stepmoms, their grandpas, their uncles, their family is really messed up. But guess what, church? Sometimes when God looks down at us and we say, oh, yeah, we love you, and we turn around. You know, sometimes my kids will say, Daddy, I love you, and turn right around and do something that's just about as honorary. And I, I, where'd that come from? And you know what? God looks at us and he says, Carl, I love you, but you know that was stupid you just done. And sometimes I have to pay some consequences of some of those actions back there in the past. And that's what sin does to you. Sin brings consequences. And that's what we teach our kids at Harvest. At Harvest, when our kids do good, we get to take them out on the weekend. But when our kids don't do good, they have to stay back at the shelter. And they don't like that. So please pray for me this morning and pray for our ministry.